On my fifth birthday, my aunt and uncle gave me a catcher's mitt as a birthday present. In the days following my birthday, my papa and I would spend hours in the backyard playing catch. And my papa was a very good teacher. He was very patient with me. And he taught me three things about throwing and catching the ball. First, take a stance. Ground your feet. Second, hold the mitt properly to protect your face, your body. (laughs) Technicalities, details. And finally, are you listening to me, John? This is very important. Never close your eyes. Check, check, check. In time, catching went from throwing the ball underhand to throwing the ball overhand to throwing the ball high up into the air, a pop fly. On one particular day, Papa threw the ball high up into the air, pop fly, my absolute favorite. So I moved around the backyard like a ninja, trying to get under the ball. And as the ball was coming down, I took my stance, raised my left hand, gloved into the air, and I was feeling confident that I was directly under that ball. So confident, so like a little boss, that I even decided to close my eyes. The ball came down, gaining speed. My extended mitt was off by centimeters. I could have compensated if my eyes had been opened. But, well, the ball came down. And instead of landing in my mitted hand, the ball landed on my index finger, which was outside of the glove. It stubbed my index finger severely. The pain was instantaneous, so intense that it it knocked the wind right out of me. And at that moment, I I basically stopped. I stopped breathing. And tears were were coming. And I didn't know what to do. Didn't know what to do. I'd never experienced such physical pain before. And so initially, I just started running. Started running in a circle around Papa in the backyard. (laughs) And then my eyes landed on the back door of the house. I ran to the back door. I threw it open started running through the kitchen, ran into the dining room. I took a chair with me. I took a floor fan with me, and I stepped on the dog, all within mere seconds of one another. And I just kept running through the house, bedroom to bedroom, upstairs, downstairs, running. And you wonder what I was running from. I have no idea. Fear or pain? I'd say pain, perhaps. My mamma, who at the time was in the kitchen, witnessed my entry into the house and heard the various sounds of of crashing objects and the dog's yelp. And eventually she cornered me in her bathroom. (laughs) Why I ran into her bathroom, I have no idea, but she cornered me in the bathroom. And in there, she noticed that my lips were turning slightly blue. Because remember, I had stopped breathing or breathing deeply out in the backyard. 
And she knelt down to me, and she put both hands on my shoulders, and she said, it's all right, John. Take a deep breath. Just breathe. It's okay. And I did. I struggled for that first breath, but I began breathing. And as the breath returned to me, I then began to ugly cry, ugly cry. My finger was still in the air. I learned two valuable lessons that day playing catch. The first is to listen to those who love you. The advice they give you, the words spoken to you, are always out of love and always for your benefit. And second, and perhaps most importantly for me, just breathe. It'll be all right. Just breathe. I've lost count of the number of times in my life that I have forgot to breathe. Mostly during times of change or times of doubt, times of chaos. Leaving King Avenue, just breathe. Planting Stone Village, just breathe. Declaring my call to ministry, just breathe. Saying goodbye to Simeon, just breathe. Buying my first home, just breathe. That was more like Lamaze breathing, but still, just breathe. And when I have returned to those words of hers, just breathe, and I've taken that first deep breath, in the process of breathing I have found comfort and strength. So often in life we forget to breathe, let alone breathe deeply. The great irony being that without breath, we cannot live. Did you know that the Latin word spiritus originally meant breathe? Thus, spirit equals breathe equals life. You cannot know life without the spirit. You cannot know life without breathing. In today's gospel lesson, despite Christ's promise to not abandon them and to send God's Spirit upon them, Jesus finds his disciples huddled together, locked in an upstairs room. They are afraid for their lives. Too much change, too much uncertainty, too much despair. And for all intents and purposes, they have stopped breathing. They have stopped living. And there is a reason for this. We all suffer from this. It's called selective listening. Selective listening. Like that five-year-old boy in the backyard learning to play catch who just forgot. Never close your eyes, John. Selective listening. Whenever Jesus talked in the gospel about sending the Spirit to the disciples, it was always in connection with him leaving his departing to be with God. And as soon as the disciples heard him mention that he was leaving, they checked out. They stopped listening, missing the details of who was coming in his absence. For us and for the disciples, it is certainly possible to hear someone's lips or read or see someone's lips moving 
and not actually hear what they're saying because we're distracted by our own thoughts, our own needs, perhaps our boredom, perhaps our own inner pain. That's why Jesus' disciples throughout the gospel, I always find this miraculous, throughout the gospel they're surprised when the tomb is empty. (laughs) Where's J.C.? We left him here three days ago. Where did he go? Where did he go? Because they always stopped listening at be killed and missed hearing on the third day rise. Selective listening. And we keep their habit alive whenever we are focused so intently on ourselves or on our pain or the aspect of our current life condition that we forget that Christ promised us the Spirit, that Christ promised us a life force of power and protection and fulfillment. Jesus, of course, challenges the disciples for this selective listening habit. He chides them that their hearts are filled with sorrow, that none of them have stopped to reflect on the gift that God is sending to them. None have paused to hear that it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send the Spirit to you. Jesus' promise to his disciples then and today is not fleeting. It is something to rely on. Are you listening? Are you taking a deep breath? The Holy Spirit promised a coming, but it is here. We have been promised the Spirit with us, that the Spirit has freed us from fault and death, that it searches the depths of our hearts and provides us with words of prayer when we cannot find the words ourselves, pours the love of God into our hearts so that we might live in hope one more day. That means that when confronted with times of change, times of despair, times of doubt, we rest in the promise that the Spirit is, is here. Our advocate is here. God is here, for God is Spirit. And that Spirit lives in us. And we live in that Spirit here and now. For God breathed and continues to breathe God's self into creation. And in doing so, God is ever-present with us here and now. Are you listening? Are you breathing? Today is Pentecost Sunday, the day we celebrate the fulfillment of Christ's promise to send the Spirit to the disciples. And churches across the nation probably have altars of red, and they're going to talk about the disciples and this tongues of flame on their heads. And it'll be an event, and then it'll be over. And I think that that's, well, I think that's a detriment to Pentecost. See, Pentecost is not just a day. It should certainly not be a day that we celebrate but once a year. Pentecost is every moment of our lives. 
you were breathed into being. You were sustained by God's breath. You are the fulfillment of Pentecost here and now. What we must always hope for is to listen to Christ's words that promise to keep our eyes open and remember to just breathe. Thanks be to God. Amen.